Hello, humans of the internet. Do you like hockey? Do you believe in miracles? Well, now, just just, just stop it with that sort of stuff right now. So, my name is Dave Block. And I'm Scott McIntyre. And we are just another hockey podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us at Just Another Hockey Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And, uh, yes, uh, the miracle is dead. The miracle is over. Uh, we have ourselves a Stanley Cup final. There will be no 0-3 comeback. Uh, it won't happen in the NHL. It won't happen in the NBA. So, plain and simple, just stop believing. So forget what journey says and stop. believing. So, so that's the case here. And uh, yes, we have our Stanley cup final set action uh, still a few days away. We still have five more days to wait until uh, Saturday, June 3rd, when the Florida Panthers take on the Vegas golden Knights in the Stanley cup final, we will have a brand new Stanley cup champion for the very first time. There will be a team deemed worthy of Lord Stanley's cup for the very first time. So last night, uh, the Vegas golden Knights finally finishing off the Dallas stars, uh, ending the star season in a six, nothing drubbing on Dallas's home ice. Uh, the return for the captain, Jamie Ben, after uh, being suspended for a couple of games in game three, uh, uh, being given the gate early with a game misconduct for a uh, cross check to the face to, to Vegas captain, uh, Mark stone, uh, you know, anybody that's seen the play knows what I'm talking about and, uh, just completely unnecessary. And, uh, well, that actually helped to extend Dallas's season because Dallas played their best hockey without their captain in games four and five. It's true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hate to call that a cross check more of a, uh, a jump on jumping motion. He totally uncalled for. And I'm sure by now everyone's seen it. And uh, yeah, he got what he deserved. Unquestionably uh, just a, a bad example of just poor leadership at this point. Uh, and um, his return to the lineup, uh, uh, Jamie Ben being, pretty ruthlessly mocked on uh, uh, hockey social media and uh, just the fact that uh, you know, his play, uh, his line did not perform very well. Uh, his line with uh, White Johnson and uh, Tyler Sagan. Uh, a lot of people thinking that, uh, I think Stars fans wishing that Ben was suspended for four games and not just two. You know, at least the uh, rest of the series, yeah, that would have covered it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the, the numbers, uh, the chances, the shots, uh, yeah, Ben's line getting greatly outchanced uh, uh, with him on the ice. And, uh, you know, Vegas came to play. Let's uh, let's give them uh, full credit for uh, coming out in full force. And uh, the Golden Misfits really helping to lead the charge, uh, not just in game six, but really for the entirety of this series. I think, uh, you know, William Carlson and Jonathan Marcheseau in particular, uh, you know, two of the original Golden Knights from the expansion draft, uh, really uh, stepping it up and leading the way. Uh, Carlson now with 10 goals, Marcheseau with nine uh, leading the way for Vegas as they uh, make their way on to the Stanley Cup final, claiming the uh, Clarence Campbell Cup. Yeah, I mean, definitely their top players were their top players. Uh, Eichel had a great 
series. Didn't quite score as much, but he got on the score sheet a lot. Uh, Carlson, as you said, Marcia So, those guys really kind of led the charge. And then they also got support from their bottom six, as the case was in game game six, where the opening of scoring was by Vegas's fourth line. Um, so yes, they they did well. You know, complete team effort, basically. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's been said for the longest time. You, your your top six gets you there. It's the bottom six that helps you to advance in the playoffs. And uh, Vegas, uh, you know, a team that a lot of people didn't think that they would have the kind of depth that they have at this stage of the game. But uh, you know, they're turning in good performances uh, all up and down their lineup. Yeah, it's just like I said, complete team effort, you know, and uh, not not getting pushed around by Dallas, who is known to be kind of a, a little more physical team. Not quite so much with Pete DeBoer at the helm, but uh, they were, you know, the big rough and tumble team for a while. Really had that capability, especially with guys like Jamie Benn, uh, Miro Heiskin that's not afraid to hit throw his body around Mm -hmm. Ryan Suter's pretty good at the physical game maybe not uh, so much the rough and tumble stuff but he's not afraid to shove guys out of the way in front of the net and all that and it just didn't show Mm -hmm. yeah much being made of the coming out party for Jack Eichel these playoffs there six goals 12 assists 18 points in 17 games I mean a, a point per game player in his very first trip to the playoffs so he's uh leading the pace but uh right now they've got one two three four five six players right now with uh double digits and points uh, for the vegas golden knights and uh it also we need to make mention uh how about aiden hill for stepping up at this point uh, uh i think show of hands how many people thought that he was going to outduel jake ottinger in net going into this series i wouldn't have called it but I, I mean, it's been him and Bob this year, and you know, on both sides, obviously east and west. But another surprise was uh, for the Vegas was Laurent Brossois when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. How well he did! Yeah, I think a lot of people were thinking when Brossois got hurt early in the series against Edmonton in the second round that uh, you know that's going to be the death knell for Vegas and uh, Edmonton's going to run rough shot but Hill got subbed in and uh, you know he's been an absolute wall uh, 937 save percentage uh, 207 goals against in his uh, 11 games played nine of which uh, he has been a starter and he's uh, sitting with a, a 7 and 3 record and uh, you know he and his uh, mates are just four wins away from the Stanley Cup, which uh, this is the fourth time now in the six-year existence of this Vegas Golden Knight franchise that they've advanced to the conference finals, second time they've made it to the finals. So uh, so if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan, life is good. So, I mean, just that really rough year they had last year, just uh, yeah, just toughing it out, Vegas fans did, with uh, that, that one season out of the playoffs. I mean, just uh, my heart's out to them. So. <laughs> I uh, just again, like we said it last year, look how many man games they lost to injury. It's just you can't win like that. And yeah, they did I mean, somewhat the same thing that happened to Colorado. Obviously, the Abs made the playoffs, but they just ran out of steam uh, come playoff times. They're battling and fighting so hard just for lobbying for position to get to where they were uh, in the playoff fold. And uh, yeah, out of gas, out of steam. Yep. But that was last year. year. That is this year, yes. And, of course, now Vegas taking on the Florida Panthers, which will be a very 
well-rested squad that will be getting what, 10, 11 days worth of rest. Uh, yeah, they've, uh, they've been wrapped up with their series with uh, Carolina for a full week now, almost at this point, uh, a four game sweep of the Carolina hurricanes. And again, the two names that keep coming up relating to the Panthers, of course, Matthew Kachuk achieving absolute beast mode, a pair of overtime winners in this series, uh, assisting on the series winner. Uh, actually, no, he scored. Uh, oh, he scored, he scored the yeah. Goals. yeah. And regulation, beg my pardon. And he, he assisted on the winning goal in the other game in game three. So, so, I mean, he's been everywhere. And as far as the standings for the, uh, Conn Smythe trophy and the, the vote, uh, I mean, it's a hotly contested vote between him and his teammate, Sergei Bobrovsky, who's had an absolute renaissance this playoff. Uh, Bob's been unbeatable and he looked like an absolute wall against Carolina. Yeah. He's uh, not the Bob you expected to get. He's been uh, just short of amazing. Um, not giving up those bad, not giving up a bad goal that I can remember. Uh, it's just solid. He gives them steady to really good goaltending. And I saw somewhere his high danger save percentage is just off the charts, which is what you need this time of year. I will say I'm kind of curious to see what Vegas can do against them because a lot of their goals did come from that high danger area. And I mean, that's how the, you watch, especially the last game, they kind of feasted off of all the rebounds that Ottinger had to put out in those areas just because the breakdowns around him. And they, I mean, I saw the uh, Nick Hague almost got him to, or no, Riley Smith almost got one. The puck just came off just a slightly different angle. And otherwise he was there just, just blow it right back into the net. And, uh, so I, I will. I'll be curious to see how Florida handles this. Um, again, a, a new team and facing Vegas, and I, I, I just don't know what to expect from Florida. I mean, they didn't expect them to get to this point at all, and it kind of been go rooting. I don't want to say rooting against them, but not picking them to win any of these series, and mm. they just keep going. That they are the little engine that could in this playoff at this point. And, uh, you know, the, the big question that everybody's wondering about is how is Florida going to respond with this lengthy period of rest with, uh, again, 10 days uh, between games before the Stanley Cup final actually starts on Saturday? So uh, I guess we will we will ultimately see. Yeah, uh, I saw a stat yesterday that the after an extended break, which they didn't clarify what an extended break is, the uh, the team with the longest break between their series end and game one of the cup finals is one in nine. So again, I don't know what extended break means. Is it more than five days? Is it more than a week? I don't know. ESPN didn't clarify. But odds are that Vegas will have their game legs a little quicker than Florida. Yep. Yeah. But Brofsky right now, 19.7 goals saved above expected. Those are uh, stats according to money puck by far and away uh, first in that particular stat category here. Uh, second place, uh, believe it or not, Igor Shostyorkin. So <laughs> still, 
Still, yes, absolutely. Aiden Hill in third with 6.4, but yeah, Shostorkin a ways back from Bobrovsky's uh, 197. Uh, Shostorkin had uh, 8.8. <laughs> Less than half. Yep, absolutely. So, and uh, uh, surprising to see, uh, you know, some of the names that you see on here based on uh, regular season numbers. But, uh, I mean, hey, the playoffs are when it matters. And uh, for all of the razzing that Bobrovsky's been given about his contract uh, in that $10 million deal that he's still got three years on after this, I mean, no one's going to care if Florida wins the cup. No, except for Florida. So, well, yeah, so I mean, they're going to care because they're going to be hoisting the cup and uh, parading it all around South Beach at that point. So, yeah. Yeah, but I'd safe to say that nobody has expected this run considering it was Alex Lyon that went on that crazy run at the end of the season to help to get Florida in the playoffs to begin with. And, and um, he did get a win against Boston, too. Technically, yes. Technically, that is correct here. So, and and of course, we'd be remiss without saying that uh, none of this would be possible without uh, Pittsburgh's futility at the end of the season and losing to uh, Chicago and Columbus, uh, you know, the dregs of the league. So, yeah, so so nice fruit basket to the uh, the front office of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, uh, should uh, the Panthers uh, win. But uh, you know, for for Carolina. Uh, Another year goes by, and it's a another season where they they come up short with that. Uh, we just need that one more goal that uh, you know they just can't seem to get over the hump to get. Uh, you know, a lot of talk has been made about how they didn't go out and make a big move at the trade deadline. Of course, after that, uh, the unfortunate uh, injury to Andrei Svechnikov, which uh, you know, I think ultimately hurt them in this series with Florida, but even earlier in the playoff against uh, the Islanders, or they, you know, they didn't look all that potent offensively. Yeah, again, this is kind of historically where Carolina kind of peters out. They come in, they do really well in the first round, second round. You can kind of see that the games start getting tight for them. And then, again, they don't play bad. They play really well. But they just can't get over that scoring hump to get that one or those one or two goals to to get them those wins they need in the the long you know the deep playoff runs and again that was the issue this year is they just couldn't get any goal scoring now granted that uh, Taravainen came back from injury but they didn't have uh, Shvechnikov uh, everyone keeps saying they didn't have Max, Max Pacioretty which is true but they didn't have him all season uh, they just don't have, and even Sachikov historically has not been, he's not been bad in the playoffs, but he's just, I don't think they've got that pure sniper goal scorer that they need in a games like this. Yeah. All the games were one goal games. Mm-hmm. The first game went what to a quadruple overtime, almost mm-hmm. five overtimes. Yep. So you can't say the hockey wasn't tight. And like Rod Brendamore said, and I agree. What's the change? They're playing so well. They just couldn't get it done. Absolutely. I mean, the glory of hindsight with the way that uh, uh, everybody's been so critical of the Canes uh, not making a move at the deadline. I mean, who could have forecasted that uh, the injury was going to happen? I mean, uh, yeah, 
shit happens with that sort of thing, but to, to actually go out and predict that, I mean, uh, I mean, nobody's sitting there with a crystal ball or reading those kind of tea leaves. And, uh, you know, like you said too, again, a four overtime game, another game that went to overtime. I mean, anytime that you go extra hockey in the playoffs, I mean, it's a matter of bounces. It becomes an absolute coin flip. And, uh, the coin kept falling in the favor of the Florida Panthers, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, we must also mention, you know, the, elite play of Sergei Bobrovsky. I mean, uh, not to say that uh, Anderson and Ranta played terribly. He says that Bobrovsky was that much better. No, and actually that's another point too, because Anderson played that quadruple overtime game. They mm-hmm. came back with Ranta and they went to overtime with him. So mm-hmm. yes, goaltending was not an issue. Overall play was an issue. It was that simple, pure goal scorer touch that they just couldn't get. And judging from the rest of the playoffs, I mean, when Bobrovsky got inserted into the Boston series from how Bob played in the Toronto series, uh, I mean, as well as the the remaining cast of characters for the Florida Panthers and helping towards shutting down some of those opportunities. But, uh, I mean, uh, the numbers that I just mentioned with the, the goal saved above expected, I mean, Bob has been by far and away the most elite goaltender of the playoffs. And that's why he's at the top of the heap for the Conn Smythe debate. Yeah, he's where he deserves to be. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I mean, let's face it, anytime you score six goals across four games, which really was more closer to, you know, five, almost six games in that series with the overtimes that were played, uh, I mean, you're not going to win very often in advance with uh, that week of scoring. And again, credit to Florida for doing what they did. But uh, again, another year where Carolina just couldn't quite get it done offensively. So, so it'll be interesting to see because I know they've got a lot of uh, free agents, uh, particularly relating towards their, uh, their bottom six or their depth. So it'll be curious to see what uh, happens this off season for the Canes, but their season is over. It's onward to the final uh, Vegas, uh, your top seed in the Western conference, Florida, which would have been the eighth seed in the Eastern conference. Uh, what do you see when you look into this series? That's the thing. It's like, again, I don't want to just give it to Vegas because it's Florida. Mm-hmm. But Florida's played some damn good playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. So is Vegas. Uh, I, I'm going to say this is going to be a series. I don't think this will be over quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it to Vegas still just because of they do have a little bit more depth. Um, they've got four lines that can score. Their D is all good. And Aiden Hill is, I don't want to say as good as Bob right now, but he's not, he's maybe a half a step to a full, just a step behind. So it's uh, not he's gonna, Bob light. Yeah. He's Bob light for sure. Um, so, you know, goaltending is great for both teams. Uh, I would still be a little more suspect of Florida's defense. Um, because they've got Mark Stahl on it, but they've been good too. I just, I just think that Vegas is just going to have too many weapons and and their style play. I think Vegas will do it. I'll pick Vegas in the series too, but also mentioning the fact that uh, my picks have been absolute garbage this postseason. I mean, I feel like that's been the case for everybody, but mine, especially, I mean, everybody that I've picked, it feels like in the last, the last two rounds, especially, uh, uh, everybody that I've picked has 
not advanced. Uh, I think Dallas Seattle is the only series that I've gotten right from the second round on. I I mean, I I can see Florida very easily winning this series again, uh, Bobrovsky winning uh, two, three games on his own. Of course, Matthew Kachuk being an absolute beast and X factor here. But uh, I think uh, knowing how heavily that they've relied on the Kachuk cousins Bennett line, uh, you know, they're going to need a little bit more to come from a Verhage, Barkov, Duclair, and the rest of their bottom six, which they've been able to get from Florida, but uh, from time uh, to time, yeah, from time to time, I, I like the better depth uh, from, you know, all four lines from Vegas. Uh, I like the strength of their D core in front of Aiden Hill. Uh, so yeah, I'll take Vegas in six uh, if I have to pick there, but of course I've picked against Florida every series. And of course they've, uh, you know, proven me wrong, but, uh, you know, isn't it weird that we've, we've looked at Vegas this postseason, uh, being that they're the top seed in the Western conference and, uh, you know, feeling like they're somehow an underdog in the majority of the series they played. Yeah. I mean, some of the shines off them, you know, they've, uh, they've ostracized some of their, uh, fan base by some of the trades they've done. Mm-hmm. They've, uh, again, like people keep saying they don't have that game breaker. And I know I kind of said something about it. They do have game breakers. They've got Jack Eichel who's proven in these playoffs. That he's a superstar talent. They've got Mark stone. Who's probably one of the best defensive forwards outside of uh, Bergeron. And actually, I think he's kind of taken that mantle away or at least sharing that mantle with Bergeron. Mm-hmm. They've got a fourth line who's producing and, you go through the list and they've got it. So yeah, why are we, we just kind of like, and, and maybe part of it too is we're expecting them to be here. They should. And mark of a good team is they should be in this position. So it's more of a shock when they lose versus a shock when they win. That's my yeah. theory anyway. Yeah, I, I can see that here. They're being overlooked because, yeah, it's expected that they be here. And I think that that might be something that uh, their fans may have been a little bit spoiled with, given the success that they've had right out of the gate. I mean, uh, given how poorly things went last year when they missed the playoffs altogether. But uh, but yeah, yeah, they've, they've got the talent. They've got the star power at this point. And, you know, you mentioned uh, elite star defensive forwards. Uh, I mean, just two years ago, you're uh, – Selkie Trophy finalist, along with Patrice Bergeron, who I know won, uh, was uh, Alexander Barkov and Mark Stone, two forwards in this series. And yeah, Bark, you know, and Stone and Barkov's been kind of quiet these playoffs. He's mm-hmm. he's he's not been bad. I can't say he's been bad, but he's just not been that super noticeable talent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Has been present, but certainly not uh, the the big contributor. The right. Forward. So uh, I stand corrected. Barkov won the Selkie in twenty one. So oh, yeah, wow. that's he's a so, shitty player that he's lost yeah. his touch. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> so I mean, he was a third place last year, and now he's not even a candidate this year. What a bum! So yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yes. So, so looking forward to the final and, uh, yeah, certainly should be worthwhile hockey. I mean, I know, uh, so many folks in the you know, tr- traditional hockey markets have been, uh, you know, rolling over because, uh, it's not an original six team. There's no Canadian market teams, you know, big fucking deal here. So it doesn't matter. You know, good hockey belongs everywhere and good hockey fans are everywhere. Well, good hockey's in the South now. Absolutely. So, so traditionalist deal with it. So <laughs> one of those traditionalist markets, of course, being the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, of course, it, it's not a podcast if we don't talk about the drama surrounding the Leafs, of course, but the way that uh, they were, uh, you know, bounced so unceremoniously from the playoffs uh, by the Florida Panthers, the aforementioned Panthers that are in the final, uh, again, uh, you know, the gentleman's sweep, we'll say, in uh, five games. Uh, of course, uh, news that has come out since we last recorded two weeks ago where uh, um, the Leafs are in need of a general manager. Uh, uh, President uh, Brendan Shanahan has uh, decided to uh, say to Kyle Dubas, uh, scram. So his contract will in fact not be renewed after five seasons uh, as general manager. And uh, really, I think the big controversy uh, that's come down here is just in the manner in which Shanahan elected to let Dubas go. Because it was looking like Dubas was going to be sticking around, intimating that he you know he wanted to be here, but uh, you know making mention of you know the the toll that it's taken on him, the toll that it's taken on his family, uh, just was enough to put that little kernel of doubt in Brendan Shanahan's head, and then a couple of days later, the announcement that uh, he will not be back. Yeah, listen to that uh, timeline that Shanahan gave. I, that's kind of a weird to me it's weird that one little string of comments and you think the guy's not all in when after he did what he said he was going to do talk to his family he came back and said yeah i'm in and then you say "Ah, i don't think you are so i i think this is uh i think there's some behind the scenes stuff here that we're Mm -hmm. not seeing i think there's a power there was a power struggle or at least a power balance that didn't take place and that is why Dubas is out and mm-hmm. I think now all of a sudden Shanahan could be I don't want to say a borrowed time but I think now the spotlight's on him oh absolutely uh, you know if if things go sour quickly to start this next season I mean I guess and there's still a lot of off season at this point so I mean I think it's safe to say uh Shanahan's job is still very much on thin ice with the the way things are going to transpire with looking for a general manager with the other long list of things uh, that have to take place there. You know, you've got the draft upcoming in, uh, towards the end of June uh, free agency starts in July 1st. And of course, uh, uh, two big players entering their final seasons of their contract, Austin Matthews, your team captain and William Nylander, who will be eligible to sign extensions, but also there are no trade clauses kick in at that point, not just no trade in the case of Austin Matthews, but no move whatsoever. So without his approval. So, so, uh, and a lot of rumblings just amongst uh, things in the Toronto hockey media, just regarding the way, that Shanahan let Dubas go that uh, there's a lot of people that aren't very happy with the fact that Dubas isn't there. And, uh, you know, rumblings that Austin Matthews is one of those guys. So, uh, you know, has the 
Apple Cart been upset enough to where we may not see Austin Matthews uh, sign an extension with this particular uh, team? I don't think he'll sign one as quickly as he would have if Dubis was there, but I could see him signing another deal with Toronto. He's kind of always said that he's he, he likes it there. Um, he does strike me as the kind of player or person who likes attention or likes that kind of um, spotlight on him. And not that he couldn't get it elsewhere, or but I just think that that's a great place for him. Um, and I, I if kind of jumping topics here if Keith stays I think those guys stay if they if the new general manager comes in and acts as Keith I think then I might start worrying yeah. and that of course is another thing that needs to be settled uh, knowing that uh, Sheldon Keith uh, head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs he was a hire of um Kyle Dubas, and of course, a member of the Sault Ste. Marie Mafia that uh, is ever so prevalent within this uh, Maple Leafs organization. But uh, just knowing the way that uh, Dubas has built up the analytics department, the sports science department within the Leafs there, and uh, a lot of concern about what is going to become of those departments and that staff now that Dubas is gone at this point. Uh, the rumblings regarding uh, a GM hire is that uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment are going to want somebody with experience which uh, does not seem to bode well for the likes of uh, assistant GM Brandon Pridham, who uh, is viewed as one of the, the main candidates. But a lot of talk about uh, former Calgary GM Brad Tree Living uh, at this point. And, and, of course, the rumblings that we must make mention about uh, what does the future hold for Kyle Dubas. Of course, he's technically under contract uh, by the Leafs uh, until June 30th. And, uh, you know, pretty much everybody is pointing the straight line of Dubas heading to Pittsburgh with their front office openings uh, with uh, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke being relieved of their duties uh, at the end of the season. Yeah. The big one that I heard from the Pittsburgh perspective, and it sounded like it was going to be um, Bergevin as GM and who was going to be president of hockey ops. I can't remember who it was going to be, but it was two people who were like, really? Huh? Okay. Mark Bergevin, hey? It was the rumor and from Friedman, uh, but it seems this Dubas firing, and that's what it was. It was a firing. It wasn't a mutual parting of ways or anything. Yeah, he got uh, let go, yeah. He was let go. Uh, it seems like that kind of sparked a, a pause in that plan, and now they're attempting to get Dubas over, whether it will be as a president GM or just one or the other. Um, can't tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Dangle and uh, his podcast cronies uh, really adding a lot of fuel to the fire. You know, should uh, Dubas make his way to Pittsburgh, uh, that uh, he might be luring some of his uh, fellow uh, Torontonians over that way here. Uh, you know, if he uh, winds up poaching uh, Brandon Pridham and uh, you know making some some free agent signings because the Leafs have a lot of guys that uh, they need to resign for next year and uh, probably not enough money. So wondering if uh, guys like uh, you know Justin Hall. Uh, um, uh, Zach Aston Reese, David Kampf, uh, you know, some guys in the bottom six and, uh, you know, that would be useful 
in a Toronto uniform uh, for another season. But uh, again, there's not going to be enough money to go around with all the, the free agents that uh, the Leafs have at this point. So uh, yeah, Steve Dangle throwing some fuel to the fire uh, with, uh, with that at this point. So, uh, so lots undecided. And of course, you know, it's, it's not an off season in Toronto. If there's not lots of drama. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Look at Jason Spezza, though. Uh, less than actually yeah. before Brendan Shanahan could get to his press conference, he put in his res- resignation letter too. So, um, yeah. Hours. yeah, and not only yeah that, that not only the players could be going over there. It's a lot of the off ice guys that uh, Dubas brought over and helped, like you said, build that science, sports science department and all that stuff. He could very well grab a lot of those people and bring them over to Pittsburgh, who I think as a team would very, very much benefit from that. You've got some aging players who could use a little more, probably a little more medical attention or stuff like that. And uh, I, I just feel as a, as a more senior team, they really do need a lot of what Dubis brought to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ideally, it looks like that would be a wonderful fit for them. And uh, you know, should that be the case, uh, yeah, I would anticipate that uh, you know, Dangle's probably not far off with uh, uh, anticipating that uh, that that poaching. There's a lot of people in that Toronto organization very loyal to Dubis. They were all in on the way that he approached things with his philosophy. I mean, players coaching staff, front office, again, all the support staff, you know, the, the sports science department, the analytics department. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, that could be the, the, the first domino to fall. And I mean, it wasn't that long ago that uh, I was certainly uh, you know, wanting a lot of this change to take place. Uh, but again, the manner in which that this departure for Dubas took place uh may well set off a chain reaction that could be could ultimately be pretty catastrophic for the Leafs at this point. So, yeah, uh, this could, uh, this could backfire. (laughs) (laughs) Safe to say here. So uh, some other front office personnel moves uh, across the league that's transpired here. We made mention of a Brad tree living in Calgary. Of course, uh, he uh, stepped down in his role, uh, Calgary is officially named a replacement uh, in the form of former Calgary Flame player Craig Conroy. Uh, Conroy was the uh, assistant GM to Tree Living for the last nine years in Calgary and uh, um, made for a very suitable fit at this point. And uh, interesting, though, going with somebody that uh, has no experience, but uh, safe to say he's been groomed as Tree Living's right-hand man in Calgary for uh, all of these years. And, uh, you know, you talk about another team uh, that's got a little bit of a mess. They've got several significant players entering their final year in Calgary, uh, Tyler Toffoli, Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, just to name a few. And, uh, you know, a team that just a year ago was atop the Pacific division. And, uh, you know, they didn't even make the playoffs. Uh, so, looking for a new head coach in Calgary. Uh, now that uh, uh, Daryl Sutter is gone, uh, that'll be hot on uh, high on the list of things for uh, Craig Conroy to take care of, to help to try to right the ship for the flames. Yeah. 
Calgary, like you said, Calgary's got some work cut out for them. I think that they are going to be much better next year simply because Sutter's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have some happier players. And um, again, I think this is a team that needed some tweaking, and Tree Living wasn't horrible, uh, a horrible GM. But I don't know if he was the guy to make the tweaks to the team he's been building for a while. Mm hmm. Yep. Well, and on paper, you know, it, things seem to look good with uh, the deal with Matthew Kachuk. Of course, you know, he's going to be the guy that uh, in Calgary, he couldn't sign uh, Johnny Gaudreau. He couldn't extend Matthew Kachuk. And, uh, you know, ultimately with the way that things transpired this past season, you know, the, the terrible season that Jonathan Huberto had last year, I mean, uh, dropping a full 60 points again, the, I guess I've read that that's the biggest drop in production in a single season in NHL history, going from 115 points down to 55 this year. So just a deal that did not quite uh, uh, make the, make the mark for that first season. And, uh, you know, he signed on for, uh, for eight more years, uh, but needless to say, he's going to look forward to uh, having a season without uh, the the shackles of a Daryl Sutter system. Yeah. I'd be curious to see who they get as a coach to unshackle him. Well, and speaking of coaches, Calgary still has that head coaching vacancy. A couple of uh, head coaching vacancies uh, getting filled today, in fact. Uh, Washington, who had let go of uh, Peter Peter Laviolette at the end of the season, uh, named their new head coach and uh, uh, naming uh, Toronto assistant head coach uh, Spencer Carberry. Uh, the new head coach of the Capitals, uh, somebody that's not completely unfamiliar to the uh, Washington organization as uh, uh, he was previously a head coach of both the uh, ECHL affiliate for the Caps uh, as the uh, South Carolina Stingrays, as well as the uh, Hershey Bears coach in the uh, AHL not all that long ago before uh, getting the assistant coaching gig uh, as the, the power play specialist for Toronto under Sheldon Keefe. Hey, it seemed to work. <laughs> Well, absolutely. Second best uh, power play in the league behind the uh, record setting power play of Edmonton. And uh, I mean, having a guy like that that can uh, set up your offensive uh, potency with the, the man advantage. I mean, I mean, you're going to have one of the best uh, power play snipers of all time now in Alex. <laughs> so, uh, you know, not a bad fit. <laughs> Here we go. 35 goals. <laughs> absolutely. So, and uh, you know, uh, the chase, of course, is on still for uh, Alex Ovechkin. Uh, again, we plotted it out. It'll probably be about two more seasons before he uh, breaks Wayne Gretzky's record here. Uh, Nashville also changing coaches. Of course, uh, uh, John Hines had been head coach up until today. Uh, Hines being let go and uh, word from ESPN's Kevin Weeks that uh, he will be replaced with Andrew Brunette. Uh, of course, uh, dismissed as a head coach last year after uh, filling in for the remainder of the season in Florida and helping the Panthers get the president's trophy title, but uh, with, for best record in the league, but uh, never had the interim removed from his tag and uh, uh, was replaced in favor of Paul Maurice. He spent last year with uh, Lindy Ruff in New Jersey as an assistant and now uh, Andrew Brunette uh, back as a head coach, a uh, place he used to uh, don the... Uh, the Predators jersey uh, in Nashville, former Predator great Andrew Brunette, now behind the bench. I'm curious about this one because uh, it seemed you you could argue to Florida that he just kind of kept Joe Quenville's scheme in place, 
However, Quenville only made it like a thousand games into the season. So the majority of the season was coached by Brunette. Um, yeah, just curious to see how he goes with his first training camp on his own. Uh, and just the, this team needs work, honestly. So be curious to see what Trotz does and how Brunette handles it. Yep, the first significant transaction in the uh, Barry Trotz regime as a Nashville general manager. Uh, of course, uh, Trotz's return to Nashville as well after being the, the head coach there for so long, so many years. Uh, so, uh, yes, indeed. So, fun times. So, uh, where it's not very fun times right now would be uh, for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, you know, their uh, future has now been very much cast in doubt uh, after uh, the voters in the city of Tempe opted to reject three different proposals for an arena and entertainment district area being funded. Uh, again, a lot of it was going to be funded by private money, but uh, uh, Tempe voters uh, have uh, rejected this uh, bid for this entertainment district and arena build. And uh, you know, having just been out to Arizona at the, the start of May, uh, I didn't see a single billboard uh, throughout the the greater Phoenix area in favor of or opposing any of these uh, votes that took place uh, in mid-May. And yeah, I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, there's tons of development that's going on in that area. I mean, uh, people are flocking to Arizona left and right. There's lots of building going on, but uh, some of that building apparently is not going to be uh, for a new hockey arena. And uh, now with uh, one season under the belts for the Coyotes at Mullet Arena at Arizona State, uh, I mean, it looks like they're going to be stuck there for another year. And uh, the viability of an NHL team in a 5,000-seat arena uh, not looking like great prospects, uh, which could ultimately uh, sound the death knell for the Yotes in Phoenix area. Yeah, uh it's kind of a weird way to, in typical coyote fashion, they went out and spent $250,000 on canvassing for votes. Meanwhile, the opposition, opposition spent over uh, a few million. Uh, the votes were pretty tight and, uh, just narrow losses. And the big things seem to be that, the Coyotes did not commit to union workers for these projects. And the project itself, building the arena, yes, that was going to be privately funded. But the clearing of all the waste and setting the groundwork for said arena, that was all going to be taxpayer paid. Yeah, because yeah, it was going to be on the site of a landfill. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, Gary Bettman's commentary uh, after this vote took place, again, uh, very much out of line with how he's typically been in very staunch support uh, in terms of keeping the coyotes with all of the ownership owners and the bankruptcy issues and everything that has transpired in the past here. And uh, uh, the the commentary from the league, from Bettman's office uh, saying that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go back to the drawing board and try to reassess things. Uh, certainly a lot less emphatic as uh, you know, compared with how, We've heard Bettman so staunchly defend and support the Coyotes in the the desert. And, I mean, understandably so, it is the uh, 
fifth largest city and uh, metropolitan area and television market. So, I mean, I, I get why the league wants to be in this particular region, but it's, it's looking now more and more like uh, the Yotes may need to uh, leave Arizona in order to stay viable and, uh, you know, cue all the rumblings of the usual suspects here, uh, hearing, uh, of course, Houston being talked about, uh, Portland, Milwaukee, Kansas City. Of course, you know, there's always the uh, the commentary about Quebec. Uh, and, you know, interestingly enough, Salt Lake City sounds like they're apparently a candidate uh, at this point uh, for a move. And uh, I hadn't heard that until uh, this recent development with the, with the Coyotes, uh, which I guess kind of makes sense since it sounds like Salt Lake City is – trying to make a bid for the 2030 or the 2034 winter games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like they want the winter games again. And, uh, I just, everyone thinks they're going North of, uh, the border. That's like, they're not go. There's not going to be another team in Canada. I'm sorry. No. There's just not, no, uh, it ain't no. going to happen. Uh, I shouldn't say it's not going to happen, but it's definitely not going to happen in Quebec. Not in relocation here. So not a relocation. Yeah. Uh, not like this anyway. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be an expansion. And, uh, you know, the bummer about this, because Houston's been the, the leading candidate. I mean, all of the talk about Houston being uh, the next location for the Coyotes once Arizona got moved into the central division with the latest realignment a couple of years ago. It's like, oh, they're just queuing it up for Houston to, you know, set it up on a tee for them for that relocation at this point. But uh, no doubt the league would love some expansion fee money coming out of uh, the owner of the Houston Rockets at this point, who's expressed some interest in uh, acquiring a hockey team and bringing him to Houston, another major market in uh, the United States that uh, has yet to be untapped and uh, a place where hockey has been successful. Of course, you think of the WHA Houston arrows, uh, the old IHL and, uh, AHL Houston Arrows as well. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of weird because another one talked about was Atlanta. Yes, that's right. Uh, they 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 got mentioned uh, for a third time, which pretty yeah. strongly too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's apparently a group looking to uh, try to set up shop with building an arena in the metropolitan. Atlanta area, which, uh, you know, no doubt, uh, you know, queuing all the cries uh, north of the border in Canada. He's like trying to give Atlanta a third chance at an NHL team. So and, and the thing about that is that I, I feel terrible for Coyotes fans in the Arizona area. They do exist. I know they're just not in the abundance that uh, people say that they, they should be in abundance there, you know, for, you know, like how, the market is saturated with fans in uh, every Canadian city at this point. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some places it takes time to cultivate and grow and they've had terrible ownership countless times. They've had terrible product on the ice and that that's a recipe for fans to just look the other way. You know, yeah. You, don't want to pay for a shitty product. They want to see gotta, right. team. You got to give them a reason to come. Uh, and besides a few runs in the playoffs, they don't, They've never had a reason. Uh, just, yeah, the, they, it's not the fans people are against. It's no. the, the fact that Gary Batman has been literally keeping the Coyotes afloat for decades now, or almost decades, and they've got nothing to show for it. 
sadly, no. There, there reaches a point where, uh, unfortunately, one may have to uh, cash in their chips and uh, take your losses. But uh, for the the fans that will remain there, I mean, I. I I feel bad for them here, just uh, the same way that I felt bad for uh, Jets fans when they originally left for uh, Arizona, when Atlanta left to form Jets 2.0. So felt bad for the fans in Atlanta. So it just uh, it's a it's a shitty thing. We've seen that here locally with our junior teams, where we've seen uh, two different incarnations of the Traverse City North Stars that have gone under, and uh, you know that's that that sucks to see that uh, a team that you follow passionately for the longest time uh you know same thing with uh, the plymouth whalers you and i attended the the very last game at compuware arena for the plymouth whalers uh, before they relocated to flint in the ohl so yeah um that was a sad day for me yeah Uh, it it, yeah it does it sucks um but there's no reason you shouldn't you know There's no reason the league should have done what they did and kept the Coyotes alive when, especially like in Atlanta, they gave up so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the saga continues in the desert, unfortunately, here. So um, made mention of uh, the OHL, uh, you know, the Canadian Junior Hockey Leagues. Uh, we are in Memorial Cup season right now. So the, the champions of the Ontario League, the Western League, the Quebec League, and the, the host Kamloops Blazers of the Western League uh, underway for a major junior supremacy across Canada. And uh, right now, the uh, Quebec ramparts of the Quebec League Right now in the driver's seat, uh, 2-0, and uh, having beaten both the uh, Western champion Seattle Thunderbirds and the uh, host Kamloops Blazers. They're in action right now uh, against the Peterborough Peets, uh, the OHL champions, and a victory for the Remparts will put them into the championship game. Uh, it will eliminate Peterborough, who uh, uh, at this point is 0-2, and, and then uh, Seattle and Kamloops, uh, again, a lot of top quality prospects a couple of guys that we've seen uh, for quebec uh, uh james malatesta who's the playoff mvp in the quebec league and uh, uh jordan dumais who uh, are both columbus draft picks that we've seen playing traverse city so uh, he was the quebec regular season mvp in the quebec league so and uh, leading the way for the remparts and uh, patrick Waugh's team do you think patrick Waugh gets back in the nhl Anything's possible in a league that loves to uh, recycle their head coaches, recycle their general managers. Of course, uh, the way that he uh, chose to step out in Colorado, uh, I think, would give a lot of people cause for a pause in that instance. But uh, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't make that move. I wouldn't either. But I'm excited for Memorial Cup next year. That's right. Coming to Michigan. So, yes. Yeah. First time that an Ontario Hockey League team based in the United States will be hosting the Memorial Cup. The Saginaw Spirit uh, hosting the event at the Dow Events Center here. So uh, no doubt we'll be uh, looking to try to uh, score some tickets when that rolls around. So it be a fun time. Yes. Uh, uh, last little bit, I guess we can cover uh, some updates from over the seas, the world championship uh, taking place from the IIHF uh, in uh, Tempir, Finland and uh, Riga, Latvia. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, Canada wins again. So <laughs> a couple of losses in a group play, uh, you know, upset losses to uh, Norway and Switzerland, which Switzerland won 
Group B, which Canada was in, but then they got upended in the semifinal, uh, quarterfinal play against uh, Latvia. Uh, Canada advanced to the gold medal. They beat Germany 5-2 for gold. Uh, so just proof positive that the prelims don't even really matter. That point just punctuated all the more by the fact that Team USA went undefeated in their group and they wound up losing in the quarter in the semifinals to Germany and then losing to Latvia in overtime uh, in the bronze medal game uh, to the host Latvians. Uh, And again, hats off to Latvia here, their first ever medal in international hockey play. Uh, And apparently uh, after all that transpired, Monday was a national holiday in Latvia. Yeah, the uh, Zoom meeting, then the legislation, and they all voted that night. That's crazy. They've only won. This is the highest they've ever finished. Beat Canada only twice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, a proud nation, uh, some proud hockey players that have come from there. And, uh, you know, a great moment for uh, the, the host in Latvia. So that's uh, that's great for them to win the win the bronze uh, again prove positive that you just got to be in it just make the uh the uh, elimination the knockout round and then go from there it's just kind of like the stanley cup playoffs at that point they're finishing at the top of your group doesn't mean shit so <laughs> yeah i mean usa proved it too yes indeed so yeah so i mean i guess what to expect when uh, rocco grimaldi is your leading scorer so yeah Dude, that's sad. <laughs> I saw that roster went overdoomed. And then they started winning. And I'm like, uh, wow, this is weird. And then they lost. I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. The yeah, world yeah. is fixing itself. Yeah. So, yeah, very uh, uninspired looking lineup, although a very nice uh, tournament for uh, Philadelphia Flyers draft pick, uh, Cutter Gothier, who, who scored uh, you know, quite a lot of goals uh, in that tournament. Yeah, I wish we could watch it over here. Uh, actually, this year was the first year it was on ESPN, I think. But it's on during nice. the day. Ah, so. Because it's a European tournament. So if you aren't at home during the day, like I am not, you can't really watch it. Us working schlubs. So, yep, so, so you two could have watched uh, Rocco Grimaldi, all of the uh, zero NHL games this year, uh, lead the... Uh, the U.S. Team USA in scoring and uh, falling short in the bronze medal game. So you know what's <laughs> that's funny about him because when you when he was playing in the NHL, the announcers did nothing but talk about him, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's out of the NHL, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you see him and you go, "Oh, Rocco Grimaldi, that guy's good." Because you know that guy, yeah. The, the announcers just talk about him. And you go, why, "Why isn't he in the NHL?" Oh, because he's actually not great. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of ugly moments that happened in the tournament, uh, you know, punctuated with a uh, a five game suspension for uh, Detroit's Joe Valeno for playing for Team Canada. Oh, no. Really brutal slew foot uh, stomping on uh, uh, Nino Niederreiter's ankle. It's, it's a wonder that uh, uh, Niederreiter still has a foot. Uh, so uh, Valeno suspended for five games. I think he's still got games to serve on this suspension term. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah one or two, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, and uh, Mikey Isamont uh, with a, uh, a a game misconduct and a one game suspension uh, that got served uh, with a knee on knee hit on uh, Sweden's Rasmus Sandin. That, uh, oof, yeah, just you never like seeing that sort of thing. But uh, uh, proof on how the. Uh, international rules uh that they they lay down the hammer for those sorts of things yeah they don't joke around yeah yeah i kind of feel like uh, the nhl maybe needs to take a little bit of notice with some of their uh, punitive action but you know, who knows yeah oh no he has it is five games are up with the gold medal game okay so so he will be but safe to say that uh you know Valeno might be a guy that continues to play for Team Canada come uh, World Championship time. Uh, I, I don't quite see him uh, making a Olympic roster. But, hey, NHL players haven't played uh, in the Olympics in, what, uh, the last two Olympics and shaping up for a third? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think Valeno, for like you said, he's not going to make the Olympic roster. He's not turned out to be the player that uh, Detroit thought he would be. I think he's still a serviceable NHL player, but I don't think he was that player they were hoping he'd be. Yeah. yeah. Anything else we need to cover this week, Scott? Nah, I think that does it. Yeah. Well, should we let George say hi? George is going to say hi whether you let him or not. Well, fair enough there. George is Scott's cat that likes to interrupt uh, periodically. There he is. Well, he's uh, right at the microphone here. So, yeah. So I yelled at Renfrey earlier, so. Yeah. So that's right. Animal House. So. <laughs> I think we'll wrap things up then. That's going to do it for the time that we have for this week. Be sure to tune in to just another hockey podcast. Uh, when do we want to record again, Scott? We want to wait till after the final. Uh, we'll see how the finals go. You know, if it's okay. a good, fun, exciting finals, maybe we'll do one in the middle, but uh, okay. probably a season recap. Fair enough then. So, yeah. So you might hear from us next week. It might be in two weeks. Uh, stay tuned to our, uh, our Twitter page for uh, a little bit more input on that. Follow us on Twitter at just a hockey pod, as well as on our individual accounts. You'll find me at super Dave TC. And I'm at S underscore Mackin. And listeners, while you're at it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us at Just Another Hockey Podcast. Wherever it is you get your podcasts from, your platform of your choosing, because uh, that's the beauty of the internet. You can find anything, anywhere, anytime. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, this has been Just Another Hockey Podcast. One more time, my name is Dave Block. And I'm Scott McIntyre. We will uh, see you once again. It might be next week. It might be in two. Just uh, stay tuned, listeners. Uh, Until then, happy Stanley Cup final, everyone. 